Hey, I'm Kevin, the student pastor of Shore Church again. Thanks for listening to our message. We strive each week to bring you relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To find out more about us or what's going on at the church, head on over to scog.com or download the app. Hope you enjoy the message. So imagine, if you will, you're on the couch with me. We're hanging out. We actually get to be, you know, in the same room, close proximity to each other, and have a deep conversation. That's what we're doing here in the living room uh, series. That's why I'm on a couch. That's why in all of your houses have these nice Edison bulbs everywhere too, right? Um, But we just kind of want to frame this conversation with some intimacy. And so we've been going through the book of the Bible called Philippians, and Philippians is an incredibly intimate book that Paul writes this wonderful church in the city of Philippi. He writes this book while he's on death row. He's under house arrest waiting to be executed or waiting, and the Romans are waiting for him to bribe them so he can be released. Well, he doesn't have any money, so only one outcome is going to happen. He knows this. He knows what's going on. And so when he's writing the church of Philippi, he is kind of giving them, hey, I love you. I care about you. This is what I want you to No. And so that's where we kind of find ourselves. We've been working our way through this book. Uh, The book of Philippians is not, cannot be totally covered by this fast seven weeks that we're going through the book of Philippians. It is something you can chew on and chew on and chew on. It is loaded with wonderful things. So I want to urge you to read through these small, quick four chapters on your own throughout the week. And uh, you'll be amazed at all the things that jump out at you. And you can glean from this wonderful passage. Today, we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects. No, it's not baseball. And no, it's not smoking meats. Okay. Uh, so uh, one of my other favorite uh, favorite subjects is dogs. I love my dog. Um, and I love most dogs. Probably like 90% of dogs I love. If I came to your house, I probably would love your dog. My neighbors... Uh, got a new dog. They rescued it from the pound. And then all of a sudden, I looked outside, and they have two new dogs. And I said, hey, where'd you get the other dog? And they said, well, the first one was pregnant. And we didn't know that. We just thought she was chubby. So they got two for the price of one. Um, and uh, but So we had a fun conversation about that. Uh, and, and whoever the daddy was must have been like, uh, Cujo, because this five-week-old puppy is is ginormous. So may the Lord bless them and keep them. Uh, and their and their couches that are going to be destroyed. Um, so there, you all had that. Anyway, uh, we're going to talk about dogs today because Paul talks about dogs, and I think it's very interesting for us. But I have a dog issue, and if you know me very well, or you've gotten close to me without a mask on, you can see I have a scar on my face. It's in the letter J on my face because when I was seven years old. I was sitting in the living room while my parents were having a life group. I was, they were on, and that Doberman reached around and bit me. And, and the Doberman Pinscher was a retired guard dog, and someone must have said an old command word, and that Doberman reached around and bit me in the face. It immediately let go, which is not a Doberman uh, trait, immediately let go and ran and hid under the bed because it knew it had messed up. Uh, but consequently, I am not a fan of Doberman Pinchers. Now, I love dogs. If you've seen me around, I'm like, oh, it's a, it's a good boy. You know, I'm all, all different voices, all this stuff, you know, whatever it needs to happen. But 
if you got a Doberman, you got a Pitbull, you got a Rottweiler, you just you stay over there. Um, I, I am a dog racist in that way. I, I'm a fully admit it. I got other things I got to work on before I get through my, my bigotry of dogs. So it didn't ruin all dogs for me, just certain guard dog breeds. And I don't trust them. I don't want to be around them. We have somebody in the church who asked me to come over. I needed to do something for them. And I had seen on Facebook that they had about a 120-pound pit bull. And it's a beautiful dog. And I had seen on Facebook videos of their little girl riding said pit bull like a horse. I knew this pit bull was nice and gentle and pleasant to be around. But let me tell you, I walked into that house. I knew exactly where that dog was. I was like, you stay over there. I stay over here. Cool. cool. I'm not going to hurt anybody. You don't need to hurt anybody. It's like an old west. Like, we're okay. Because of a reputation of something that happened to me 35 years earlier, I didn't trust this particular dog. That is not fair to that dog. I'm sure it's perfectly fine. Nice dog. I knew I had evidence of being a nice dog. But I was not going to trust it because of my previous, ex- uh, <laughs> literally having my head bit um, off by a dog, right? That's, that's what is going on here. Now, we have the choice, and we look in uh, Philippians chapter 3. Paul's talking about spiritual dogs, about people who act like crazed Doberman pinchers, biting people. Chapter 3, verse 1. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. What is he talking about? Out of all the stuff in Philippians 3, Jared, this is what you're going to talk about? Because there's some, like, the golden nuggets in Philippians 3. Yes, this is what I want to choose. Because I believe this sentence about beware of these dogs is incredibly applicable to us in this moment and in this time. And specifically, I believe that this, this verse is incredibly applicable to how we as Christians are perceived in culture today. Specifically, how we as Christians are perceived in culture this week. Beware of dogs. What is he talking about? Mutilators of flesh. These guys are probably Jewish, um, maybe Jewish converts to Christianity. And the Jewish system of of how people would convert to uh, Judaism before Jesus was you could become a God-fear, you could do the dietary laws, you could do kind of set up some Yahweh worship, but you weren't really a Jew. Until you went through the whole circumcision process. And you weren't, in probably some kind of levels of xenophobia in that as well. You're not really a Jew. You weren't born a Jew. But you went through the process, but you're still, there's these, these hierarchies of, of how people would be perceived as Jewish persons. So when these Jews became Christians, that same kind of hierarchy was morphed over into Christianity. Well, you're not really a Christian unless you do the dietary laws, unless you do this, unless you do that, unless you do and participate in the circumcision. Well, nothing deters evangelism like saying, hey, everybody, you're going to cut what? When? Where? Why? Huh? And so you've got these, got these guys say, no, they can't be Christians. 
And these people get very adamant and very passionate about, they're not Christians. They don't have access to God unless they do all these things. Unless they go a part of these, these ways. And, and like, it's tainting churches and it's tainting conversations. And it's, it's causing all kinds of, of spiritual abuse in these moments where people who thought they could have a relationship with, with Jesus are now being derailed and, and, and told that they can't because of, because of these outside things that has been told that they don't have to actually be a part of the dietary laws anymore or participate in the circumcision. And so this causes this these chasms. And Paul sees it as he's writing writing these uh, writing this letter, he Paul sees it as this huge challenge. He's like, we're, we're trying to get people easiest access to Christ as we possibly can. And you're putting up these rules that they don't have to do. You're attacking when you don't have to attack. You're making yourself this legalist and this this vicious person, and that's not who we're trying to be. I can go down, and he goes and continues, I can go down that route. I can I can be the, the perfect Jew if you need me to be the perfect Jew, but that's not even important. What's important is who Jesus is, how his redemption, how he loves, how he cares. When I look at our political system and the system in which we just got to participate in this week. As I look at how Christians are perceived, I have this uneasy gut check feeling that we're seen as pit bulls ready to bite people's face off. that we're becoming the very dogs that Paul says, beware of. And we have to do some serious self-reflection on how we are communicating our thoughts, how we express our disappointment, how we express our pleasure. And specifically the political field, Because I'm going to be completely honest with y'all. No matter who you voted for on Tuesday, none of the the candidates presented on Tuesday align themselves with Christian beliefs. None. That made me very angry right now. I'm sorry about that. Because our present two-party system that we've got, you can vote against abortion. Abortion wonderful thing to vote against. You can vote for equality. It's a wonderful thing to vote for. You can vote to help the poor and the marginalized. Wonderful thing to vote for. You can vote for family. That's a wonderful thing to vote for. You can't vote in our present society, in the present two-party system, for all four of those things at the same time. You can't. There's a whole nother one, a fifth one that I thought of this morning. Is that we as Christians should be leading the charge in how we take care of our environment. God has specifically told us that it is our our charge to take care of the world. And we don't even make that a political thing as Christians. I don't. (laughs) I I don't. We don't we, We don't even make it a political thing. And it should be one of the top of our list. So we've got a problem. 
we've got issues because people in this room right now voted one way and voted the other. People that are watching right now voted one way or voted the other, and we're still one church. At the end of the day, who organizes how we live our life, our attitude, our disposition, how we are, are working through our lives, how we make our choices, how we parent, how we work, how we uh, are married, how we do all things in life, does not come from who we voted for on Tuesday. It comes from Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. That is the root of who our character is. And so if you don't have heartburn over who you're voting for, you need to go back to look at how is my life aligning in these issues? Go back to the Sermon on the Mount. Read that and go, who, 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 who looks like this? And we as Christians, if we got up and demanded someone actually look like that, we would change the way elections happen. We still have that power in this country. There is no reason that we can't have someone run that actually lives up to those standards. We don't have to settle. We don't. Because if we go to the election booth every year, and I see it in here, right? I, I think about it and I pray about it when the electric election uh, stuff is is delivered here. I just start praying over that, that whole process. It's like I shouldn't, uh, going to vote shouldn't be an act of holding my nose. We as Christians have gotten so caught up and tied our horse, and tied, our, tied ourselves to, to whatever candidate that we believe in. So much so, that we attack with venom anyone who disagrees with us. The problem in that is that we're like pit bulls, attacking about an issue that doesn't actually represent Jesus. And so, I bring this sensitive issue. Like I'm an equal opportunity Democrat and Republican defender, right? I, we've had people leave the church because they said I was too conservative and people left the church because I was too liberal. So I guess I'm doing it okay. Um, my heartbeat in this, my focus in this, is to draw us back to attention to say, what am I doing? How am I perceived as a pit bull in this? And as our cultural perception goes to, you watch people on Facebook. All I got to do is scroll through Facebook feeds. And there's people, I'm like, oh my gosh, you are such a loving, caring, joyful person. That's who you are coming out as right now? That's not who you are. You're caught up in this cycle that's just, bleh. you're just like a dog going, rrr, 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 and barking right now. That's not who you are. You can be better than this. What we have to do in this moment and in this time is be intensely passionate about how we speak love into people. Just always thinking about how are we speaking love in this moment? Yeah, I may have thought something. I told Yvonne, I said, Thursday, I think I set a new record for deleting Facebook posts. My own, not yours, my own. Like I'd write something, delete, delete. I don't need to say anything, turn it off. <laughs> so over and over and over and over again, because it's like, that's not helpful. That someone's going to mis misunderstand it. And because I can't sit down and have coffee with somebody and actually have a conversation with somebody, I can't explain what I was actually thinking. Right? So I was like, yeah, I'm just, just going to 
going to talk about smoked meats, and everybody can agree on that. That's a platform that we that everyone can can win. All right. I was even equal opportunity in my smoked meats. I smoked some turkey. I made some hamburgers. I made some bratwurst, and uh, I, I did a brisket and did some pork butt. So, like, I was, you know, I'm I'm a man of all the people right now. Um, here we are. As we live through that. We have to understand because there's going to be moments and there's going to be conversations where you want to spout off and you want to, do, you've got to think through this. You've got to slow down enough and to say, am I barking? Am I yapping in this moment or am I showing love? You have got to make that the default position of your mouth and your thought process. Because if not, this is, we are pit bulls into our culture. What we have been perceived as, how we've been seen is, is people who are judgmental and, and cranky and, and always trying to, to, to take the fun out of everything and really all these different perceptions that people have of Christians. And if we don't get this right, within 20 years, what American Christianity is going to look drastically different. We have to change the perception. The problem is once you have the perception of being a pit bull, just like uh, the perception of something that, that bit me years ago, I still, I, I ain't doing it. One time I was walking out of an airplane in an airport in Atlanta, and I was walking out, and a, a police officer approached me and said, excuse me, sir. I'm like, I didn't do it. But <laughs> he said, excuse me, sir, would you mind being uh, training our, uh, we're training uh, dogs today. I was like, well, what do you have me to do? Well, we're going to put something in your backpack, and you're going to walk by, and we're going to see if the dog figures it out. I said, this is going to be a weird question, but what kind of dog is it? It's a black lab. He looked at me real weird. I said, I'm cool, yeah. If that would have been a Doberman, I'm like, nope. German Shepherd? Nah. Nah, it's not, it's not a thing. It's not going to happen, bud. But why? I don't know this dog. That's mean. I, I'm being mean to this puppy. I don't want anything to do with it. And folks, we as Christians have that same mentality, and people in the community have that same mentality. Oh, you're a Christian? What kind of Christian are you? Where you go to church? What happened there? What's going on? This? We're fighting that and fighting that and fighting that. And so we have to be very, 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 very cognizant of what we're doing and the, the words that we use and what we post and how we do all this. Because if it's not speaking of Christ's love and it's not speaking in love, then we just need to go backspace, 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 delete. That's who we've got to be in this moment. We have a perception problem. We got to get it better. We have to get better at redirecting conversations. Maybe the most spiritual thing you can do this Thanksgiving is shove more turkey in your mouth. Right? If you, if you read Jesus in the Gospels and people asking these politically charged questions, and usually they are. Back then, theological questions were political questions. We don't necessarily do that right now, but... Back then, political questions were, were theological, questions, theological questions. And Jesus never gives them a straight answer. Never. He never answers the question that he's asking. Now, that's very annoying to someone who's asking the question, right? You can, we, can, we can say that. But he always goes, wait, 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 what's the heart issue? What's really going on? I'm going to cut back a little bit. Because he's fully divine, he gets to cheat and like be smart enough to be able to do that. But in our own conversations, we need to ask God for the discernment and the wisdom to say, what's really being asked right now? What's really going on? How do I cut to the heart of the issue and actually ask a question back that speaks to the heart of this person? Because if they ask this question, what they're really asking is, would I be accepted by your God? 
they're asking this question. Does your God actually love this person? And that becomes really vital in how we don't just off the cuff answer a question. We think about it. We work through it. We pray through it. We need to be prayed up before we go to Thanksgiving if you're doing interfamily family uh, Thanksgivings. You need to be prayed up before if you get to go back to work and there's actually other people there. <laughs> you need to be prayed up before you do that. That you will live a life of discernment and wisdom in how you speak. Because we have a perception problem. Whether you voted left or right, we as Christians need to get back to when people see us, they see golden retrievers, not pit bulls. See, we can be people that choose to help. <clears throat> golden retrievers and labs have to wear special vests that say, please don't pet me. I have never seen a vest on a German shepherd that said, please don't pet me. You carry that sign with you, buddy. What if it looks like if we, we kind of take this mindset on of being golden retriever and we choose to help in these moments? We choose to help. How do we do that? We offer hope. We can offer hope. Hope speaks through cultures. Hope speaks through hurt. Hope speaks through miscommunication. That looks like when we have in conversations with people is when I went through tough times, this helped. I don't have it all figured out, but this has changed my life. Speaking hope into someone's life requires vulnerability. You cannot speak hope into somebody's life without being real and without being vulnerable. If you try to do that, you come off as high and mighty. So how do we speak into people's lives? Do we speak into people's lives like this? Do we listen enough to know that there actually is an issue going on in their life? That we can speak hope into their life. If I'm thinking about my past week's conversations, there's probably times that I just went along my day, I bowled people over, I did not take the time to discern, is this a moment for, for hope? This is when and how you get to share your testimony with people. I once was this, but Jesus, and now I'm this. That's your testimony. You ever wondered how, I just trained you on how to, how to evangelize. It's as easy as that. We make it this big thing. I got to get my T's right, my, my I's dotted, and all, all, I got to know what a, you know, an Oxford comma is before I can do my, my testimony. It's not. It's, I once was this, Jesus happened, and now I'm this. And that's how we offer hope into people. That this doesn't have to be all there is. It can be more. We can have a redeemed life and we can have eternity with Jesus. And then we live that out for people. Second thing we do is we elevate. We look at the good in whatever situation we're at. We elevate people. We look for the good in them. Build up in places that you can build. Sometimes that's hard, right? Sometimes you're talking to somebody and you're like, whew. Where's the good? I don't know, but I'm going to find it. Look for good. Don't give up on people. Build up in the places you can build and speak it into them. I see this in you. The object is to be perceived as someone who cares for them because you are a representative of, who, of God who cares and loves them. 
We love them. You love people. We don't have to pass judgment on people. We don't have to speak how wrong they are. We don't have to tell them that they're dumb. We don't have to do all that stuff. We have to love people. We are called to love God and love people. Love the Lord our God with everything we have and love people as ourselves. That's what we're called to do. That's our job description. Nowhere in there that says judge people. Tell them what they did wrong. It's not in there, right? The Holy Spirit's job description is to convict people so that their life changes. That's the Holy Spirit's job. So if we take on the description of judging people, now we're trying to be God. I feel like that's out of our pay grade. And we're not going to do it well. We have to be people of love. Finally, we are people who are present. And in this moment and in this time, it's hard to be present. It's hard to be with people. That people feel that you are with them and that you care about them. I've taken some opportunities in this, in this time, in this moment. People have shared things with me just to respond in a text. To say, hey, I'm thinking about you. Hey, I'm praying for you. How's everybody doing? Blah, blah, blah. Whatever that is. And that has meant so much to people. Because I can't knock, you know. I'm not knocking on people's doors right now and say, hey, let me in. We're not going out for coffee and we're not having lunch together. But there's other ways to be present, to care, to walk through the mess of life with people. And we've got to be willing to fight through all the perception problems, all the stuff that we got, maybe even our own preconceived notions, to be people who love, who elevate, who care for, and who are present. This is the opportunity we get, and God has called us to do it. We have a vast field that's just ripe for us to be the people that God has called us to be. We can shock people with our love, our compassion, and our care. It is a challenge that we have. It is an opportunity that we get to live out. And once we reframe the conversation from, oh, man, I wish the world was still this. I, I wish America was still a Christian nation. I wish all this. Uh, we can bemoan and whine about all kinds of stuff. That ain't going to change anything. What we can do is change our attitude today to be people who love, to people who care, to people who offer hope, to people who, uh, who offer compassion. That everyone actually wants to be around us because of how we are showing Christ, his love and his compassion, the example that he set for us in everything that we do. That is our calling. That is our challenge. That whenever someone thinks of, of a Christian, they think of your face, they think of my face, they're not like, oh, I hope they don't bite me. But no, I want to be around them because of the love of Jesus that's shining through them. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. And Lord, I... I thank you for everyone listening to this message. Lord, I know this is a touchy subject this week, a little bit of politics. There's hurt feelings. There's joy. There's a range of emotions all throughout this whole thing. But at the end of the day, you are our Lord. You are our Savior.
God, we need to put that back into perspective. As easy as it is to get caught up in all the different stuff. That how we live our life matters. Lord, we ask you to give us wisdom, give us discernment. That we be able to figure out what's really going on when someone lashes out, when someone picks a fight. That we wouldn't rise to the bait, but instead cut to the heart of the matter. Lord, we need you in this time. We want to be proper representatives of you in everything we do at work, at play, in our homes, in our marriages, in our parenting. Lord, would you move in us? Would you convict us where we need to be convicted? Would you help us remove some things in our life? Would you give us the courage to hit delete on emails? When you season our conversations with a little salt. We love you, Jesus. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. And a special thanks to all those who continue to support our mission through your generosity. You too can support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community by giving on the website or through the app. To make sure you never miss out on a message, be sure to subscribe. And don't forget to hit that share button to spread the word. Have a great week.